Uh, I have a message for fathers and future fathers on this Father Day, Father's Day. I realize that many of you are not fathers. Obviously, more than half of you never uh, will be. So what is the point of this message, particularly if you're not a guy? Well, there are many points for you, not the least of which is you will know how you can um, help your dad or your husband um, along the way by encouraging his efforts to be the man God called him to be. It turns out that men are called to be something very specific in God's kingdom. We are called to be spiritual leaders in our families and also in our churches. In case you're new here, we teach the Bible with this church, and that's what the Bible teaches from start to finish. Now, the expectation of this day set aside for fathers would be maybe for dads to walk out of here having heard how great they are and how appreciated they are and all of that good stuff, right? That's what we'd probably hope for on Father's Day. And let me say that regardless of the challenging word you will hear from me instead, I am sure that your family loves you and hopefully they will tell you so for the rest of the afternoon. There are no perfect dads. But if you are a dad, you are incredibly important to your family, and I'm betting your family loves you more than you know. Remember that as you hear my challenge, which ultimately comes from the Word of God. Now, what is fatherhood anyway? Is it simply creating offspring? Is it basically providing and protecting Is it mostly paying bills or securing the home against outside threats? Fatherhood is all of those things, yes, but it is so much more. Stating the obvious, we live in a world that is rapidly losing any understanding of what fatherhood means. But why? Well, there are more and more reasons for confusion when it comes to the secular world. But even in the church today, Some people have actually questioned whether men and women are supposed to serve God in different ways at all. Did God give men and women roles or not? Are there, in fact, roles assigned by God for men and women? Of course, the answer is resounding yes. And this is super clear from like page one of the Bible to the very end. But today I want to home in on fatherhood, and I think the number one reason people can't picture good fatherhood is because there are less and less good examples of it. For the most part, sons learn good fatherhood from their dads, or else they don't learn good fatherhood at all. So what does that mean for sons who have grown up with absent dads, or detached dads, or clueless dads? It means they don't know what fatherhood means or how to do it. Many sociologists have written about the modern epidemic of fatherlessness, even outside of the Christian bubble. Some have claimed that fatherlessness is the number one reason for the obvious breakdown of our society. In terms of sociological reasons for society's problems, I am inclined to agree. And while I don't think the problem was nearly as bad then as it is now, even thousands of years ago, one of the psalm writers prayed these words, to the Lord. Do not hold against us the sins of the fathers. 
May your mercy come quickly to meet us, for we are in desperate need. I can say without a doubt that today we find ourselves in more desperate need than ever. We need the mercy of God to turn this all around, in the church at least. But to be clear, I'm not sure there will ever be a turnaround in our society as a whole. In my opinion, the prophetic word of Scripture actually shows things getting worse before the end when it comes to the world. That said, there can be a turnaround within individual families, perhaps within the kind of families that might potentially be here today, perhaps within the families of this particular Holy Spirit-empowered local church. Look back at Psalm 79, 8 once more. Maybe if you can put it back on the screen, that'd be great. Psalm 79, 8, the last verse we looked at. What is the biggest problem lined out in that verse? Sin. The sins of the fathers. Ultimately, sin is the problem. Many need the sin habits of their fathers to be broken in themselves. Many need to break through the generational chains of sinful fathering. The truth is that across our society, fatherhood is in such a sinful state that any time I want to teach about the fatherhood of God, I always feel the need to qualify my comments by saying that God is a completely different kind of father than most of you experienced. Isn't that sad? But that's how bad the image of fathering is for many. I, get, I tell you, if I ever don't say it, someone comes to me. I almost have to say, forget what you know about fathers when you think of the fatherhood of God. And that means that dads have failed at job number one in terms of their existence to bear the image of God. And that's true of moms as well, by the way. Both men and women are image bearers. But right now I'm saying that when the biblical authors wrote about the fatherhood of God to the people of God, they could reasonably assume that most of their audience would thereby picture God in a very positive way. If God was like a dad to them, well, that was a good picture for most of the audience in that place at that time. But today, so many people have had horrible experiences with their dads that picturing God as Father may not be particularly pleasant. Maybe for some, God as Father is downright terrifying. So should we just throw out the idea that God is Father then? As if we had the authority to even consider such a thing. Besides the fact that trying to re-envision God as something or someone other than Father would be blasphemous and anti-biblical, we certainly should not do that even practically speaking. Because in giving up on the fatherhood of God, we would also be giving up on earthly fatherhood, which would mean death to the family and ultimately death to humanity. Think that's too strong? Well, I hope you never have to personally find out how true it is that fatherlessness is often death to the family. But I'm here to tell you straight out that without good fathering, humanity is doomed. We will ultimately destroy ourselves. 
without good dads. The data clearly shows that deviant and destructive behavior, indeed the breakdown of society, stems more from poor or non-existent fathering than any other factor. If something doesn't change, the sins of the fathers will destroy us all. Fatherlessness leads to godlessness, which leads to, well, more godlessness. Many people don't know how to think of God, and some even hate God or try to deny His existence precisely because God's male image bearer in their life failed to bear the image of God in any recognizable way. The end of this is destruction. The end of this, and all sin actually, is death. Maybe your father was verbally or physically abusive. Maybe he just wasn't around much. Maybe he worshiped the TV God from the altar of the couch. Maybe he was lazy or uncaring or manipulative or overly controlling. Maybe he tried so hard to provide the American dream that he actually created something more like a nightmare in the process. Maybe you never even knew your father. David Blankenhorn author of the fatherhood movement wrote this, a generation ago an American child could reasonably expect to grow up with his or her father. Today an American child can reasonably expect not to. Tonight more than one-third of American children will go to sleep in homes in which their fathers do not live. Before they reach the age of 18 more than half of our nation's children are likely to spend at least a significant portion of their childhood living apart from their fathers. More than half This has become so commonplace, we don't even realize how staggering that fact really is. Of course, some people today would try to tell you that a child doesn't even need a father. You won't be hearing that message from me because my primary primary source is the Bible, and the Bible elevates fatherhood so much that God is called our Father. By the way, the Bible does not refer to God as mother. Not ever. And if you think that's because the Bible was written down by male authors, then why are you even here today? If you really believe the Bible can be explained away through its human authorship, then there's little reason to study it or to preach it or or to believe any of the things that it says. Either the Bible is a revelation from God or I have utterly wasted my life. And you're utterly wasting your time listening to me right now. Let me, let me put this in an even more offensive way, <laughs> shall I? Listen, if the Bible is patriarchal, it is so because God wanted it to be patriarchal. But if the Bible is patriarchal only for human reasons, you might as well reject the whole thing. Know this, the actual truth is what matters, not cultural opinions which change by the day. Please, young people in this room, trust me when I say that you really and truly have not been alive very long. Okay? You know? I mean, at least be aware that most of what you are being told is truth was considered patently false as little as 20 years ago. Like by everyone. How do I know? Because I was there. I've watched this happen because I've been alive the whole time and I've been listening. And never before in any 20 years of history has the so-called truth changed so much 
as these last two decades. But God's word never changes. The Bible remains true through all the lies of one generation or another, through the centuries, through the millennia. And trust me when I say that you are living in an age that is more full of lies than any other. That's a quantifiable fact. People receive far more information than ever, and that has meant hearing more lies than ever. Listen, one day each of us will be held accountable, not for how well we accepted and regurgitated the latest garbage spewed forth from a sick society, but rather for how well we responded to what God said once and for all times. And that is the whole reason I'm preaching to you today, so that you can be prepared when you stand before God. And one of the most important truths you ought to know is that the Bible elevates fatherhood. The Bible absolutely exalts the importance of fatherhood to the point that God is referred to as our Father. You might think absolutely nobody out in the world would get this. And yet, even a secular magazine like Psychology Today was willing to make this statement, and I quote, fatherhood turns out to be a complex and unique phenomenon with huge consequences for the emotional and intellectual growth of children. Well, what do you know? Isn't it interesting how they sound surprised? God made this clear from the beginning of His time in His timeless Word. And now, apparently, statistics agree. As if this truth were not obvious to anyone who's intellectually honest. As it turns out, children who grow up largely with absentee fathers are four times more likely to live in poverty, are significantly more likely to commit crime, are twice as likely to drop out of high school, to be incarcerated, to abuse drugs and alcohol, and girls with absentee fathers are seven times more likely to become pregnant in their teens. This is just a tiny sampling of the statistics that prove children need their dads to actually be their dads, as God's Word has asserted all along. And yet, to a large degree, as a society, we have allowed God's idea of fatherhood to be ignored or even impugned to the degradation of all. The consequences have been overwhelming. Standing here, I can't really do anything about the culture as a whole. But what I can do is preach the truth to the fathers who chose to walk through those doors on Father's Day 2023. Some of you may wind up wishing you hadn't. But I hope and pray that others of you might make a decision today that would radically change the future of your family, perhaps even for generations. Now, let me make something else clear to the men and boys in this room. I'm not here to talk about your father. I'm here to talk about you. Every man in this room is likely to be a dad in some way at some time to someone. There may be a few exceptions, and that's okay. The Apostle Paul, for example, was not a father. But I do intend to talk to fathers today, so bear with me. And right now, I want to ask a few of you men to stop blaming your own father and start being the father you were meant to be. I'm not here to talk about your dad, guys. I'm here to talk about the dad you are or the dad you may become. If you're an older man, that changes nothing. If you were ever a dad, you're still a dad. Again, I'm talking to you, not your dads. Never forget that Jesus Christ is in the redemption business. And regardless of who your daddy was, with God as your father, you can be the dad he means for you to be. So what is the real problem with fatherhood in our society? 
If lack of good fathering is one of our biggest problems, and it is, then what is the problem with fathers? Well, when it comes to society as a whole, obviously, I believe that our fathers need Jesus. They need to be saved. They need to have the Holy Spirit come into their lives and empower them to be more like God, the Father. To be godly fathers. And that's the only real solution to any problem in this world, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the idea that we can be redeemed and remade. That said, I'm mostly talking to believers here at church today, to those who probably would claim Christ as brother and Christ and God as father, meaning the bigger problem is already solved for you. And so for you Christian dads, the one word that can begin to communicate what is often missing I think, is courage. Biblical fatherhood is courageous fatherhood, especially in the face of the world we find ourselves in. Today, I want to talk about what it means to be courageous fathers in a world that tries to make us cowards. So, do you know what a courageous dad looks like in our culture? I mean, really, what does fatherly courage look like? Let me just burst some bubbles right away. Because as much as we may be inspired by it, courageous fathering is not really about waving a sword in the air and shouting freedom, a la brave heart. Biblically courageous fathering probably doesn't have much to do with guns either, okay? As much as I personally like a good macho moment here and there in my life, and yes, I do have guns and knives and actually a very large machete for that matter, but I'm telling you... That, it's, that kind of stuff is not what courageous fathering is about. Listen, the courageous dad is not necessarily the one who goes to Canada to slay a grizzly bear. No, the courageous dad is the one who slays the idol of pornography. Uh-oh, we just woke up. Pornography is running rampant to the point that it's absolutely pandemic. It, it, utterly overwhelming the men of our society that you don't know how many guys, you can't imagine how many guys you see today, day in and day out, who are woefully addicted to this atrocious sin. When the percentages are high among Christians who know it is wrong, how high are those percentages among those who see no reason to abstain? I'm here to tell you, pornography is widespread beyond your imagination, even in the church. I know the statistics. I also know the people. Let me just pause and tell you that if you have a son who is, say, 11 or so, you better be ready to go to ridiculous lengths to protect him. Because listen to me, the pornography industry has, industry has been weaponized, and they are going after your son and your daughter, I would say, at this point. It's a militant movement designed to generate depravity. And while I'm at it, if you think this is unrelated to the LGBTQ movement, you are mistaken. Perversion begets perversion. Dads, you need to understand that we're talking about a multi-billion dollar industry that is out to make sex addicts out of every male, especially. 
can't go far into that topic today, but hear me say that this dangerous trap will destroy you, your sons, your families, and your witness. Do anything and everything to protect yourselves and especially your sons, dads, because once they start clicking, they will be fighting addiction for the rest of their lives. And just by the way, it usually begins with something less than nudity. If I can just get real. Google images or similar sources are always the gateway. Lust is a raging fire that will destroy your life. And pornography is just what malignancy is to cancer. Pornography to lust is like malignancy to cancer. Think you need to defend your home against intruders? Got a plan? Got what you need beside the bed and the locks and the everything else and alarms and whatever you think you need to defend your home? The chance, that's fine, so do I. The chances of someone in, invading your home are extremely low. The chances of pornography invading your home are astronomically high. Which one do you put much more energy into? Thankfully, in our church, we have a men's group, which also includes smaller accountability groups, and that can help a lot, a whole lot. I've been encouraged by the victory that so many of our men have been finding over this heinous and, frankly, terribly embarrassing sin. If you're a man who's wrapped up in this disgusting attack on women in general, and this utter betrayal of your wife or future spouse, it's time to be the courageous warrior you were made to be and slay the dragon of pornography. Even more importantly, help your sons or get ready to help them when the time comes. What else does it mean to be a courageous dad? Well, it means you're not addicted to drugs. Um, and don't tell me marijuana is not addictive. Give me a break. I have lived too long. It's addictive. Maybe addictive in a different kind of way than heroin, but it's addictive. Drugs, alcohol abuse, not courageous, not admirable, not noble for a father. It's an embarrassment to him and his family. And by the way, don't believe the propaganda. Drugs and alcohol make you weaker, not stronger. That's a physical fact. One thing I did appreciate about the last Avengers movie was how they portrayed Thor after he became a drunk. Has any, does, no? Yes, a few people. Okay. You're like, I don't know. Is that a sin to watch that? <laughs> For those who've seen it, let me ask, if that's what too much beer can do to Thor, <laughs> okay, what's it going to do to you? Enough of that. Wouldn't want to say anything against Bud Light or anything. Oops. All right. Let me, I'm going to get back to being serious. What is the most non-courageous thing a dad can do? Well, he can abuse his God-given authority and selfishness. Let me say that once more. The most cowardly thing a Christian man can do is to abuse his God-given authority and selfishness. Cowardly fathers are domineering or abusive because they're actually afraid of losing power or looking as small as they feel. Throwing your weight around the home requires no bravery whatsoever. No, that kind of behavior actually shows just how weak you really are on the inside. 
Similarly, a courageous dad is not the one who abandons his family because he's just too much of a baby to face problems. So let me draw this little overview to a conclusion. What does a courageous dad look like? In a word, a courageous dad is faithful. That's it. Faithfulness in all of those areas and more. Faithfulness is the key to godly fatherhood. Biblical fatherhood is courageous faithfulness. The courageous dad is faithful in the same way that God is faithful. The courageous dad is faithful to stay pure like God. Pure from sexual sin and perversion, from greed, from worldly lusts. Check out verses like Ephesians 5.3 and 2 Corinthians 7.1. I know you're writing those down. Ephesians 5.3, dads, and 2 Corinthians 7.1 for more on that. But what else in terms of faithfulness? The courageous dad faithfully brings his family to church every Sunday. And he worships God while he's there from his heart. And he makes God the highest priority in the home. Courageous dad makes it a point to read his Bible and pray in front of his kids. Courageous dad has the willpower to change the channel when the seductive commercials come on, even when nobody else is in the room. Why? Why is that important? Why can't you just look at the menu as long as you don't order? I'll tell you why. Because lust is unfaithfulness. Lust is unfaithfulness. Based on the teachings of Jesus Christ, lust is unfaithfulness. And it poisons your marriage more than you know. So why don't you man up and get some discipline instead of wimping out? Walk by the Spirit and you'll not carry out the deeds of the flesh. Galatians 5.16. Write that down. Galatians 5.16. Train your eyes to turn from lust and watch your marriage grow stronger. You'll be shocked at how things will change if you simply have the courage to be faithful with your eyes. Oh, pastor, you don't know how it is with my wife. She isn't there for me. Well, Jesus didn't even get to have a wife at all. Remember that? Neither did Paul. Neither does your son until he's gone through maybe 10 years of intense unmet desires. Maybe you should stop whining and be the man of courage Jesus died to save you to be. Your wife might even come around if you become the man God wants you to be. But even if she doesn't, you'll still be happier if you get sinful lust, destructive lust out of your life. The courageous dad controls his temper. Oh. Hmm. Bring anything to mind? Maybe recently? Hmm. Doesn't just let it fly. Says he's sorry early and often. Leads his family to God. In the good times, the bad times, he sees things through, stays the course, never gives up. He endures like God in a word. The courageous dad is faithful. And by the way, when you are courageous, you're not worried about what failing, unfaithful fathers think about you. Did you catch that? When you are courageous, you won't settle for watered-down, degraded ideas of fatherhood those heralded by a decaying culture in the throes of death. Instead, your guidebook will be the never-changing Word of God, and your paradigm for fatherhood will come from the Father, God Himself. Yes, we dare to make the fatherhood of God our goal. Just as He told us, be holy even as I am holy. That's right, the courageous dad finds his model of fatherhood in God. 
The courageous dad has the audacity to set out to model God's sacrificial love, God's care, God's leadership, and his faithfulness to his family. It takes a ton of courage to set out to be a godly father. Do you have the courage to make this your goal, or will you settle for what you've been doing so far? There's the gauntlet. All right, assuming at least some of you want to pick that up, be a godly father, I have three biblical steps. You know there's got to be steps. Three steps to share with you this morning. I'll give them to you in advance. First of all, you need to understand your significance. I've been talking a little bit about that already. Second, you need to accept your role. And third, you need to apply a certain tennis shoe company slogan to fatherhood. So first of all, First step, understand your significance. Again, David Blankenhorn writes, fatherlessness is the most harmful demographic trend of this generation. It is the leading cause of declining child well-being in our society. It is also the engine driving our most urgent social problems from crime to adolescent pregnancy to child sexual abuse to domestic violence against women. In fact, 85% of prison inmates come from fatherless homes. 85%. 70% of suicides and 70% of high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. And about, I'm about to be very unpopular, but you can also add the unprecedented rise of homosexuality and gender confusion to the list. A great deal of research confirms that the number one factor leading to, particularly because it's had time to be researched, a homosexual lifestyle for men and women. traced to a diminished or non-existent relationship with his or her father. By the way, if you are waiting for me to tell people that what is wrong is right and call that love, you will be waiting for a long time. No. I will speak the truth of God's word, which is crystal clear on this issue. Meanwhile, God knows that in my heart, I still love those who disagree or who may even hate me for my stance. I choose not to hate them for theirs. Love is not agreement. Love loves in spite of disagreement. So despite enormous pressure, I will not believe that lie that a person cannot be changed by Christ when it comes to any sinful behavior. Jesus is the Redeemer is in the life-changing business. We are all sinners by nature. It's in our genes. All of us are sinners. Our natural desires are wrong. Naturally, we're destined for hell because we're born in sin. And we continue in sin. Only in Christ do any of us have any hope to overcome our sinful nature. My sinful nature does not happen to lead me toward homosexuality. However, I can assure you that it leads me to behavior that is no less sinful and no less destructive. That is why I fight against my own human nature with spiritual weapons. Back to the point, dads, it's time to get real about your effect in terms of whether or not your sons and daughters will fall into various sexual perversions. Dads, you're the number one factor as to whether your kids are headed toward a healthy, godly, loving, committed relationship, which will be the beginning point of the foundation for a new family, or whether your kids will wind up in the pit of one kind or another of sexual perversion. 
Research shows they need a healthy, loving relationship with dad to have the strongest chance. Now, this does not mean your children are not personally responsible for their own actions, nor does it mean that every single time a person chooses perversion, it has something to do with his or her father. Sometimes it has nothing to do with dad, but most often it does. What I am talking about is the significance of fatherhood. Fatherhood has been grossly underrated in our culture, and we're experiencing the consequences. For those of you with daughters, as mentioned, research also shows the girls who enjoy a strong, loving, encouraging, hear that, encouraging relationship with their dad are much less likely to be promiscuous as teenagers. That's a proven fact. In other words, take your daughter on dates and tell her she's beautiful, often. Men, do you really understand your significance in the lives of your children? Do you really? Boys absolutely learn how to be men from their dad, period. And by the way, boys do need to learn how to be men. Good grief to think that I need to say that. And what about girls? Well, girls learn how to relate to men through their dads and by watching how their mother relates to their dad, and that's important too. Boys learn how to treat girls from dad. Girls learn how to expect to be treated from dad. More importantly, boys and girls gain a significant part of their initial concept of God from their dads. How staggeringly important is that? But see, fellow fathers, part of understanding our significance is also realizing the negative impact we can have if we're not careful. Some of you may need to be warned today. Most of us have heard Proverbs 22.6, but few of us know the verse before it, which says, thorns and snares are in the way of the perverse. He who guards himself will be far from them. Here's the one you know. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. This is presented in Scripture as a couplet of truth, which by definition means that it is intended to be taught altogether. In other words, the Bible teaches here that you cannot properly train up your children in the way they should go if you are caught up in perversion yourself. These verses can apply to moms and dads both, but they are originally written with fathers specifically in mind. How do I know that? Because as you will see in a moment, God put the whole child training thing in terms of training them up in the Lord in the hands of fathers. I'll show you that in a moment. Back to Proverbs 22. If you think you can be a great dad while covering up perversion that is going on behind closed doors, think again. You can't train up a child the way he should go if you're not going that way yourself. You better get right before God. Young dads, especially, because I can tell you from experience that the time you have for training goes by very quickly. My goodness, how quickly the time goes by. Even grandkids grow up so fast. Continuing to understand our significance and how fathers stand out, even differently than moms. There's another particularly negative way that dads can influence their children. Something else we need to watch out for. Colossians 3.21 says, Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Let's think about this. The Bible says fathers have a special ability to negatively impact their children in this particular kind of way. Again, dads, I'm pointing out your special significance in your children's lives. In short, nobody can embitter the kids like you. 
Notice the Bible doesn't say fathers and mothers don't embitter your children. It doesn't say parents don't embitter your children. It says fathers. And look back and see that it also says that if fathers do embitter their children, the result will be what? Discouragement. Literally, if you look at the original Greek, it says they will lose heart. That means basically that if you cause your children to become bitter against you, if they're bitter against you, Dad, they will not only be bitter against you, but they will come to the point where they can basically want to give up on life. In other words, they'll stop trying. And oh my, has that ever happened with so many children and young people today? Dads, you can cause your child to lose heart. You have this in your power, and if that doesn't scare you, it should. How many young adults have lost heart? How many kids don't care very much about anything that really matters anymore? We talk about it in terms of the millennial generation being unmotivated, passive about life. But why? What happened? Many of them are embittered against their fathers. The last time I checked, suicide was the second leading cause of death for teenagers. What happened? They lost heart. They became discouraged to the point of just giving up on life. Others turn to drugs or to sex or wherever their most basic desires take them, while still others just never live up to their potential. They are discouraged, many because they are bitter against their fathers. They're even bitter that they're bitter against their fathers, and they're angry that it matters so much but they can't escape the fact that it does. One of the biggest ways dads can cause bitterness is by just not being around. Another way is by appearing to care more about material stuff than we do about them. I think of that scene in Ferris Bueller's Day Off with that car. My dad, my old man's always pushing me around. And then he knocks the Ferrari off the ledge. And his dad cared more about the Ferrari than he did about him. That's how he felt. prioritize our career or hobbies over our relationship with our kids. Be careful when they're young. I didn't play golf much when they were young. My fishing was limited. Now I get to do whatever I want. We need to be careful. Well, look forward to it. There is a time. It gets easier. We need to be careful not to squelch their identity or break their spirit by constantly berating them, demanding military-like obedience. We need to realize we will embitter our children if we do not give them the love they deserve, they need to receive from us. The love they deserve by virtue of being born. A certain kind of love that only we can give them. The fatherly love they desperately need. Dads, never underestimate your significance in the lives of your children. The second thing you need to do, if you want to work toward courageous fatherhood, is this. Accept your role. Now, if you think I've been countercultural today, it's about to get worse. How, how could that be, you say? What's the, what the Bible teaches about a father's role in the life of the family flies in the face of what our world has to say about it. As you all know, it is increasingly difficult to talk about the teachings of the Bible when it comes to the differences between men and women. This button is so hot, I think it melted. However, I will continue to teach the Bible, regardless of what that means, in terms of who may or may not like me, or who may even choose to bail on this church. Know that if you're looking for a church that puts this week's cultural norms over the authority of the unchanging Word of God, you have not found it. 
I hate to say this, but even many Christian women, even you know, conservative Christian women have bought into some ideas, maybe without realizing, that would rob men and fathers of their God-given role in the family. I would go so far as to say most young Christian females, at least that I run, in, run into, are at least influenced by radical feminism, and it's hard not to be. For many, a man trying to lead with authority, even in the family, is seen as a threat and a throwback to archaic times. The truth is that many so-called Christians today have succeeded in rejecting large quantities of foundational Scripture by thinking changing times justifies rejecting what God has clearly revealed. There are several casualties when the biblical role of men and women is ignored or rejected, but perhaps the greatest one is the death of biblical fatherhood. In the Bible, men are called to be, are called to the very significant role of leading their families. Now, I know that some men are selfish dictators who rule with an iron fist and all that stuff, and that's obviously not what God intends either, not at all. But the biggest problem of our time, men, is that we don't lead enough. And again, I'm not talking about ordering people around or simply being in charge. Hear me. What I am talking about and what the Bible ordains is the idea that you must be the spiritual leader of your home. This takes courage. Spiritual leadership starts with your example and moves from there into things like bringing the family to church, praying with your kids regularly, teaching them about God, answering their life questions, and asking them about their own walk with Jesus. Many men think all that stuff's mom's job because it fits in with the mentality that it's more her role to bring up the kids, to raise them, and men are supposed to sit down and shut up before we mess up, right? Wrong. Dads, if you're sitting down and shutting up, you're already messing up. The Bible says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Told you. What did I say again? Fathers, bring your children up. Bring up your children in the training instruction of the Lord. So God has specifically called dads to do what? To bring up the children in the training and instruction of the Lord. God did not specifically call out moms to do this, did He? No. In His timeless, unchanging Word, God called dads to this right here, to train up the children in the instruction of the Lord. Now, obviously, we still desperately need mom's help, as most of us know. I'm quite sure we'll take all the help that we can get. And if you look back at Genesis, isn't that exactly what a wife is called to be? A helper to her husband? Oh, wow. Now that crosses the line, doesn't it? How dare I say that wives are called to serve as a helpmate for their husbands. That is offensive. Well, it is also exactly what the Bible says. What have you been reading? The Bible teaches that dads are responsible for the spiritual leadership of the home. Man, it is your calling and your responsibility to train up your children in the instruction of the Lord. Wives and moms cannot help you do what you're supposed to be doing if you're not doing it. 
When you aren't doing it, there's no way to help you do it. Can you see that? And that is why many women just have to do it themselves. Thank God for their efforts. Far better than nothing. And I think of someone like Timothy, a great man of God, who learned from his mother and grandmother rather than his father, as the Bible says. But don't miss the principle in the exceptions. God established this role for men to train the children to follow the Lord. All the way back at the beginning of our system of faith. In Genesis 18, God said this about Abraham, our spiritual forefather. For I have chosen him so that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring upon Abraham what he has spoken about him. In the Bible, it's always the role of the father to lead the children to keep the way of the Lord. Many passages of Scripture make this clear. Our arrogant know-it-all culture may not like to hear that fathers have such a significant role, but get this, the Bible actually teaches that God's work in the home flows through the Father. And let me just clarify something. Gender roles and responsibilities will never, ever be accepted by the mainstream of our culture ever again. Never. We will be less and less popular as we hold to this truth. Our churches will likely get smaller because of this truth. What I am preaching today will never be embraced by those who reject God and His Word ever again. Interestingly, there was a time when these truths were understood by virtually all people in this country. But that was a rare and special situation. That party is over. Jesus told us the road would be narrow, remember? He told us we would be killed. Truth like this is the reason persecution is headed our way rather than popularity. Trials and tribulation are coming for true Christians, but that also means Jesus is coming. How much more then must we take our stand on the Word of God as a church? And we must stand together, even if together we are more and more the minority. The Bible makes it clear that fathers are to lead their families. Let me give you one more verse. I'm trying to find a less offensive translation. <laughs> but none of them were any easier. The Bible says, A woman must quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness, Let's, let's tweet that, shall we? No, I think that would not be wise. But I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. For it was Adam who was first created and then Eve, and it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. That's in the Bible? Yeah. Now, by the way, those verses are first and foremost about the family. And secondarily about the church. Not about random men and women on the street or at school or at work or whatever. But rather this applies to the family and the church. In fact, the church is modeled after the family. Or if you think more deeply, it might even be the other way around. But listen, the only reason we have problems accepting this teaching in the church today. You understand this is a... We have lost people over this. Many over time. This is swirling in our denomination, if you don't know. 
the reason we have problems accepting this teaching in the church today is because we haven't accepted it first in our families. Hear me say that I do not believe this verse means women are supposed to always be quiet in the family or in the church, nor does it mean that they are never supposed to teach anything in the church or in the home. Paul was dealing with a specific problem with some specific women in a specific church with these verses, and I personally believe he was talking about preaching or prophesying with authority to the church assembled. In other words, what I am doing right now is what he was talking about in this verse, and when you understand all of that, it helps take the edge off a little bit, but we still need to embrace the core truth that is here. There is a universal principle behind difficult verses like these, and we cannot ignore that principle, which is this. The highest level of spiritual leadership lies with men, both in the home and in the church. I don't know. I just feel like I'm not hearing a lot of amens today. Where this is not accepted or male leadership breaks down or fails, God's work is hindered both in the church and in the home. There's a reason the Bible clearly teaches that as the leaders of the church and as those who preach and teach with authority, pastors should be men. And yes, that's very clear in the Bible. Only those wanting to capitulate to a culture of lies tries to find ways around these obvious truths. And besides, again, there's a reason that it's true. There's a reason men are to lead the church of Jesus Christ. For the same reason, men are called to be the spiritual leaders of their home. The reason goes back to the way God designed things in the first place. And when we ignore God's design, we not only miss out on what works best, but we rebel against His plan, and that is sin. The Bible is clear that in God's primary institutions, which today are the family and the church, men should be responsible to lead. When the family or the church rejects or rebels against God's plan, we sin against God. Now listen, I happen to think women are better than men in a whole lot of ways. I really do. I'm, I'm, I'm being genuine with that. So many ways, women, women are better than men. And I'm just talking about looks. And there's, there's that. Well, they just look better, but that is not all I'm talking about. Sometimes they're, they're smarter. They, maybe they even speak better. They put together great thoughts. Women, to, to me, okay, I'm not saying God has said this, but to me, women are better than men. I just kind of think that. Women are just better than men in so many ways, so often. But I'm not here to figure out why God said men should lead in the church. And in the family, maybe, maybe it's the same kind of reason he picked the 12 disciples from the less educated and less powerful. Maybe it's because we men need more help from God than women would. I don't know. But I'm here to fulfill my God-given responsibility within the design that God put into place. Far be it for me to reject or rebel against God's design. Husbands, if you're not ready to, or willing to lead spiritually, you have not accepted your God-given role in the family. Wives, if you don't allow this kind of spiritual leadership, or if you get in the way of it, neither of you. The Bible says in several places, wives are to submit to their husband's authority, and that each husband must submit to the authority of Christ while being willing to sacrifice his own desires for the sake of the wife. 
You know, it's interesting. Most of the time, our failure, men, is uh, not because women are stopping us, right? Uh, most of the time, we simply fail. We just fall down on the job. We just don't do the, the thing we're supposed to do. The fact is that most wives would absolutely love it if their husbands would lead in a godly way. It just feels right because it is right. And if you don't lead spiritually in your home, you and your family are missing out on God's plan. They'd love you to be the one making sure that church is a high priority. They'd love you to make the decision the movie needs to be turned off. They'd love to see you invite the neighbors to church. They'd love to see you call a family prayer meeting when times get tough. They'd love to see you set the family down and say, hey, we need to change the way we're doing some things. They'd love to hear you quote scripture and explain what the Bible says about an issue. Of course, that would require that you're reading the Bible regularly. But before you're going to be motivated to do something like that, you're first going to need to accept your role. There's no time to wait around because, as you know, the kids will be gone before you know it. You'll blink, they'll have their own families. Maybe even be far away, barely under your influence any longer, and you'll be sitting in a service like this realizing it's too late to do what could have been done as well as you could have done it. Don't let that happen to you. And let me hasten to add that in some ways it's never too late. Late is better than never. Grandpa can find ways to lead to. I said I had three. This one's short. Understand your significance. Accept your role. And third, just do it. We see a picture of three guys and two girls, all in their 20s. They're poised at the top of a snow-capped mountain, ready to snowboard to the bottom. They're riding mountain bikes at breakneck speeds down rocky terrain. They parachute from a cliff or they kayak down a waterfall in a raging stream or jump off 10-foot ledges with their skateboards. These things require courage. Commercials using these types of images often end with a catchphrase like no fear or Nike's famous slogan, just do it. And as we watch these scenes, all of us 40 or 50-something dads secretly wish we still could. I don't want this message to leave you with an empty wish like that. I wish I could be that kind of dad, but this is all just out of my league. I know some of you are exactly, that's exactly what you're thinking. I just can't be that. You're thinking you can't do this. Maybe it seems impossible at this moment, just too much of a stretch for who you are right now. But if you were going to try to complete in a, compete in a triathlon or mountain bike down a dangerous trail, wouldn't you prepare for it? Wouldn't you get yourself ready? It's the same when it comes to courageous, faithful fatherhood. It'll be tough to teach your kids the Bible if you don't know what's in it. It'll be almost impossible to lead them in prayer if you have no prayer life of your own. It'll be futile to try to show them how to worship if you really never worship God in your spiritual life. It'll be tough to lead your family spiritually if you're not walking with Jesus. So when I say just do it, I don't mean just be that guy. I mean just do the things that are required to become that guy. I mean, do the things that will help you to become God's man for your family. Change your habits for a year and see how God can change who you are. Just do it. It's challenging, I know. Maybe you think it's easy for me to say, but it isn't. Sometimes I'm the courageous dad. Other times I just waste a lot of time. I am not near as good as you think I am. I can almost promise you that. Yeah, it's challenging. It's hard. If I was out there today, I'd feel just as beaten up as you do. Happy Father's Day. We're, we're getting it both ways. I got one finger pointing to you, three are pointing back to me most of the time. I mean, what can I say? 
My dad would say, it'll make you tough. He's an old Marine, so. A godly dad is like an advertisement for God. Take that home. Some more verses there. You must display a new nature because you're a new person created in God's likeness. He wanted us to become like his son, Romans 8, 29. Let me sum this message up. This is for dads and those of you who will likely be a dad someday. Your family and our entire society are depending on you. You can either run from that like a frightened little wimpy man, or you can pump up and face your calling like the man of courage God made you to be. Your family and our society need you to understand your significance. They desperately need you to accept your role. And in a way that's going to require great courage in this culture, they need you to just do it. As I close, I want to ask all the dads in this building to stay seated. And I want to ask everybody else to stand up as we recognize the challenge and the responsibility that God has given to fathers. We're simply going to pray for our dads. That's all we're going to do, guys. Don't be nervous. We're just going to pray for you. If you would stand up if you're not a dad, stay seated if you are a dad. If you feel comfortable, put a hand on a shoulder, especially if you're family. We're just going to pray for you dads. I'm looking around and I'm thinking, wow, first of all, I'm thinking we got some great dads in here. And second, I'm thinking we can all, we can all grow. So let's pray. Pray for these guys from your hearts. Don't just let me pray. You be praying. Lord, I lift up these dads to you and ask for your empowerment. We all fail. Sometimes we come into a message like this on a high. We've been doing well. Sometimes we come into a message like this. Maybe recently we've really screwed up. I don't know where everybody in here is at, but I know that your grace is enough and that you change us and you transform us. So I pray right now for every dad in this room, some things are laid at the cross. I pray that wherever we're at, we understand the importance a little bit more and we take it to another level. I know that it'll change this church, maybe even change this town if this many dads get serious about following Jesus. Get a hold of us, empower us, show us the way. Show us real things that need to change that will make a real difference. <clears throat> and I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to Go Church's weekly sermon podcast. If you enjoyed the sermon, be sure to rate and review us. If you want to learn more about the ministry of Go Church or catch up on previous sermons, check out our website, www.gochurchpnw.com. You can also connect with Go Church on Facebook and Instagram.